Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we're going to be looking at perspective and how this really factors into our fear stories. Now, in our last lesson, we looked at the role control plays in masking fear. And I recommend checking that lesson out and really starting fearless from the very beginning. Some of the lessons do layer upon one another, and it just helps to really be a part of this whole journey that we're going on together. And if you are a listener who's been along for the ride, just so grateful to have you here and we're tackling our fears together. So I have my co-pilot, Andrea Wells, here with me today for this fearless adventure. Welcome back, Andrea. Thank you. Glad to be along for the ride again. Co-pilot. <laughs> yes. I love how I think I love thinking about it like an adventure co-pilot. Yeah. Like I'm literally thinking of us in a plane right now. <laughs> We have like our cool uh, headphones on, right? Like that's what pilots wear. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Helicopter pilots. <laughs> <laughs> How cool would that be to be like in a cockpit with two pilots with like their microphones set up? <laughs> <laughs> so random, but I like it. <laughs> I'm picturing it right now and I'm like, that would be cool. You're like in the, you're just like flying in the friendly skies. It's a long-term production goal. We have a cockpit to record in. <laughs> <laughs> just like cruising at a nice speedy altitude, nice comfy altitude. What do they say? A nice cozy. What what altitude is it? Comfy, cozy, a nice. I don't warm? know. No, not warm. Either they say it. I mean, it's pretty common. <laughs> We're. Sp- <laughs> I fly a lot. You'd think I know. I don't. I know. Me too. Fill in the blank, listener. What out? Al- like we are flying <laughs> at a nice da 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 altitude. Um. Okay. Perspective. Bobo, talk about perspective. We, <laughs> we are just like channeling this right now because a pilot has a totally different perspective of the land than we do. And we're like smack dab in a point in the land, right? We see that bigger picture. And you know that if you have been on a plane, when you start to go up and get that big aerial view, everything starts to look like little Legos. And then eventually you don't even really see it. So you start to see this like total shift in your perspective of land, of uh, positions and points on land. So I kind of like how we like went there without even knowing we were going there. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so just looking at this idea of perspective and fear, Andrew, how have you been able to see this operate in your life and help you with overcoming fears? Yeah. And it's, it's going back to a story that I shared I don't know how many episodes ago, a few episodes ago, about an experience I had being um, involuntarily hospitalized for mental health. And perspective is coming to mind for that because I remember in the moment it was, oh God, like I was, my mental health was really bad. And 
being hospitalized on top of it, I really like that was traumatic in and of, in and of itself. It was the worst time of my life. And after it happened, I was trying to cope with and grieve the fact that my mental health was so severe. I had that experience happen to me of being held against my held against my will. And that was really hard for me was having my freedom taken. That really shook me to my core and made a bad situation worse. And now that I am a little over two years out and I've done a lot of healing and growth and therapy since then, for a while I was describing that time as the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And now I'm at a place where I'm like, it was the worst and the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like it was horrible. And I'm not going to deny myself the fact that it sucked. It hurt really bad having my freedom taken and not getting what I really felt was the best care for me in that situation was painful. And it was another thing that I had to heal from on top of everything else. And at the same time, it gave me that, that severe, intense experience gave me perspective in that moment and helped me find hope that I hadn't had before. And so I, it not only did it give me perspective in that moment, even though I hated it and I, it felt like the worst thing that ever happened to me, and in some ways it is, I can see now looking back with the perspective of time and healing that I needed it more than I thought I did in that moment. It helped me more than I realized it did in that moment. And I don't think I would have made such changes and strides in my life if it didn't happen. I don't think I'd be in this place of recovery. I'm not even sure if I'd still be here at all. So I can see now with perspective that it was the best and the worst thing. <laughs> it was very painful. And maybe my language on that will continue to change. Um, at, at the very least, it was painful and it was helpful. And that was something that I couldn't say for a while because I was still really in it. I'm still processing it. I'm still grieving. I'm still healing from it. But earlier on, it was like all I could see was like, oh my God, this sucked. It was horrible. Feeling like something bad happened to me because it did. Um, but also it gave me other things too. I've liked how I've heard um, Glennon Doyle use the word brutiful. So it's both brutal mm. and uh-huh. beautiful, right? So it's like brutiful, like life is brutiful, where there's beauty in, in the brutality around things, like how things can be so brutal to us. And so, uh, you know, not in like we can think about brutality in, in a lot of different ways, but just this idea of your soul feeling like so slammed down at that point and loss of autonomy. When you say involuntarily checked in, um, does that, can you explain more what that meant for you? Like, well, how that happened for you? Do you mind t- sharing about that? Because, like, or, the logistics of it? Well, because I think sometimes when people think involuntary, they think like your parents threw you in there, but it wasn't like that, right? It was more like you were oh. actually seeking help. Um, but then they were like, she needs more than us, what we can handle, right? Like, yes, I want to be um, careful with what I share. It's related to being suicidal, and I know that can be triggering. So I want to be. I'm going to be maybe a little vague in some ways, but I will say um, I was very suicidal. I contacted a mobile crisis unit, and they basically I talked with them a little bit, and they were like, "We're taking you to this um, inpatient psychiatric hospital for an evaluation," and they were like, "If you don't go, (laughs) we will have the police take you." So right there in that moment, that that was when my freedom was gone, really, because I, I didn't have a choice. They were like, we want you to go involuntarily, but if you don't go, the police are coming. And I remember being like, that doesn't sound voluntary. And they're like, well, well. <laughs> so I went and um, she brought me there, the woman at the crisis unit. And oh my God, I really, I knew, I knew the chances were high of me being um, 
locked up <laughs> involuntarily. And I remember just downplaying everything when the doctor talked to me and I did my evaluation. I was like, no, everything, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I didn't want to be locked up. I wanted um, to have my freedom for many reasons. Anyway, um, he called my fiance, my husband now, he was my fiance at the time. And I remember texting my fiance and being like, downplay it, like, play it cool. I don't want to get locked up. But basically, the doctor was like, I talked to you, I talked to your fiance. I also talked to the woman who brought you in here. And he basically was like, I'm hearing very different things. And I trust her. I work with her a lot. She brings people here a lot. And he's like, I think you need to stay. And I got brought back. And I was there for about five days. I think I said a week in a previous episode. I do this a lot. I don't know why. I'm, it's not on purpose. I screw up timelines. It was five days <laughs> that I was there, which does is not a ton of time. Some people are there for weeks or months, but every moment it was so hard to get through. It felt like an eternity. Mm, yeah. It's definitely um, a very sobering experience, right? Like, and I'm yeah. so happy though that you did make that call. Um, and and I think it's important to talk about the darkness that people get to. You are definitely not the first person that shared with me how they were close, that they were suicidal or at least have strong suicidal ideations. Uh, I think it's actually common. It doesn't get talked about a lot. And, um, you know, I've had many listeners and I know very personally that were very close and then didn't, thank God, and are now living completely different lives, completely different lives. So I have zero shame in someone's recovery game, no matter how dark it went for them and how close they came to thinking that that was the only option. And and it makes nobody less of a person. And I'm feeling so many chills right now because I know you're feeling this. My whole body's like... <laughs> I'm like tearing up, yeah. Goosebumps right now as you're, yeah. And just it's, it's part of the that yeah. It is that perspective where you can feel like my life is crashing and burning right now, and nothing's gonna get me out of that. And then you can see that this is just a blip. Um, it's a blip. It's it's a. And that's where perspective comes in, right? Like I always like to think about things when I'm going through a hard time. That I have okay. Ten minutes from now. How's this going to feel? Okay, probably the same. <laughs> like 10 minutes inside of that place for you is probably like the same. Uh, 10 yeah. days. <laughs> you mentioned even afterwards, it was still very hard, right? So 10 days, not much changes. Um, we can even think about, you know, if you're trying to challenge an eating disorder behavior for somebody, right? Like eating more than you're used to or um, going out and being in your body, knowing that people are looking at it and and possibly may make comments on it. Uh, so 10 minutes, that may feel like you may feel that discomfort and that uncertainty. 10 days, probably still will feel that. 10 months. Ooh, now we start to see a whole nother world, actually. Whole nother world 10 months from now. If you allow yourself the permission to change, because we can also not allow ourselves the permission to change and stay stuck in our in whatever we're in. Like we, yeah, we can if we want. That's the option. Uh, and then 10 years from now. So, or even 10 weeks, just put every kind of time frame, 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months, 10 years, is this going to matter? And so when we start to look at our perspective, when we're in really challenging times, we don't know what is beyond that. We truly don't. But when we can start to allow that it could be good, it could be new, it could be totally different than what we're used to. If we give ourselves that story as well, because we know that we can spin the narrative of all the bad, right? But if we can spin the narrative of the positive, 
don't have to believe that where you're at now is where you're going to be for the rest of your life. So let's get into this story on perspective. In our lesson today, we will be going through a famous Chinese parable of unknown origins that is a powerful illustration of why it is important to not assign meaning to the events in our life, because we really don't know what the bigger picture is. Now, this reminds me of a quote by one of my favorite authors back in high school, flashback to Kurt Vonnegut. He said, quote, the truth is we know so little about life. We don't really know what the good news is and what the bad news is, end quote. With that context in mind, let's get into our story. Now, quick disclaimer here is I have no idea how the accents will come out. Let's see what happens here. And so it is. All right. So let's get in to our story. Once upon a time, there was an old farmer who had a great big farm that provided him and his wife and his son with all the sustenance that they needed. Since the farm was so big, he definitely needed help tilling the soil and transporting his bountiful harvests. For this, he had a horse. Not just any horse, he had a strong stallion. Now, this strong stallion was also very curious or hungry to find himself a mare. One day, the fence was left open and the stallion broke free to follow his bliss and find a mate. The old farmer's neighbors were right there with him when he discovered that his strong stallion broke free. With great sympathy, they all said, Oh, what bad luck to lose your one and only horse! Tilling your soil and transporting your food is going to be so difficult now. You must be so devastated. The old farmer, looking at the broken fence, said, Bad luck, good luck, who knows? The neighbors were a bit taken aback with his indifferent reply and went on their merry way, grateful that they still had their horses. Now, a week later, as the farmer was beginning to adjust to horseless life, he saw out in the distance his beloved stallion galloping full force. He couldn't even believe his eyes. And actually, as they started to adjust more to the horizon, he saw that his horse wasn't alone. He was leading the pack of a whole herd of wild horses. Next thing he knew, he was surrounded by five beautiful horses. The neighbors couldn't believe their eyes. Having two horses was a luxury. Five horses was above and beyond a blessing from God. They congratulated the old farmer, saying, Oh, how lucky you are! You not only got your horse back, but you got four more horses. The old farmer, looking at the five healthy horses, said, Bad luck, good luck, who knows? The neighbors were a bit taken aback with his indifferent reply, 
and went on their way, wishing that they could have more horses. Now back on the farm with four new wild horses, the old farmer knew he would have to get busy training them. His only son had been an excellent horse handler with his stallion, so he threw him a saddle and put him on the job. And as the old farmer's son was attempting to tame one of the horses, he was bucked off in a big way and came crashing to the ground, immediately breaking his leg on impact. He was in excruciating pain and couldn't even move. The neighbors heard him moaning and howling and ran over. With great sympathy, the neighbors said, Oh dear, what bad luck! Those foul wild horses broke your only son's leg. The old farmer, looking at his son in the distance, being treated by the doctor, said, Bad luck? Good luck? Who knows? The neighbors were quite confused with his indifferent reply and went on their way, grateful that they had healthy sons. And so the old farmer took to caring for his son, who was bedridden with his broken leg, and tending to his farm all by himself. Some weeks later, the emperor's army marched into the village, and they had orders to seize every able-bodied young man in sight. And when they slammed the door of the farmer's house open to seize his son, they saw him lying there with a broken leg. They let him stay because he wasn't fit for service. Now with tears in their eyes mourning the departure of their sons, they all said, You are so lucky to have your son. Who knows if we'll ever see our beloved sons again. The old farmer, looking at the emperor's army marching off in the distance, said, Bad luck. Good luck. Who knows? And so the story ends. And to sum up the lessons of this story of the old farmer, one, perspective is everything. We don't know if something is good or bad. In the end, good or bad is just a different side of the same coin. Something that we think is terrible sets us up for success in the future. We have a limited scope of understanding in the moment of how things are ultimately going to work out. Two, adopting a mindset of accepting what is helps take the resistance away allowing us to respond to experiences in new ways and not getting caught up in looking at what isn't. And thirdly, and finally, not assigning meaning, such as good or bad, holds us in a much more receptive state of possibility and openness. Instead of wasting precious energy and reactionary emotions that fuel shame, fear, and anxiety. So once again, as Kurt Vonnegut said, Quote, the truth is, we know so little about life. We don't really know what the good news is and what the bad news is. End quote. And that is the truth. Can you think about a time that there was something you were like, oh my, oh my, 
Oh my, that's terrible. <laughs> Have you had a moment where you thought, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me? And then years down the line or, or days down the line, weeks down the line, months down the line, years down the line, you're like, wow, that really set me on a whole new course. That changed my life for the better because now I'm in this situation which I never would have gotten in otherwise. We have limited understanding of the bigger picture. And this is why it's important to be able to increase your ability to tolerate the uncertainty. Good news, bad news, who knows? The greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So let's not waste another moment of our precious lives holding ourselves back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.